Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for October 11th, 2020. Proper 23, the 19th Sunday after Pentecost. And uh, man, that's second week of October. Uh, uh, insane. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. We had a frost. <laughs> <laughs> we had a frost overnight. and The slight the... hesitation there. But... Yeah. <laughs> Well, certainly by the time anyone hears this, I'm doing great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the, all the caffeine to kick in. Right, 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 right. For sure. For sure. Uh, as, as, as he takes a sip. Uh, yes. The, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, um, before we get going, yeah, we had our, we had our first in-person, uh, quote, unquote, um, um, church service in a long time uh, the, this past Sunday. Uh, it was... Um, the heavens opened for us. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's right. We all got lots of holy water from the clouds. <laughs> yes. There, uh, the, the, the blessing of the pets was easy uh, as water was everywhere. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and the, it was great watching the dogs and cats just going, why are we in the rain? <laughs> right. Yeah, I was... Uh, we have the technology in... to overcome this. That's why I'm with you, humans. <laughs> I thought we moved past this. <laughs> We're better than this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, but that was, that was, uh, that was fun. Uh, some, yeah. Some, yeah, uh, just, just to clarify for anyone who wasn't there, we, we were in the parking lot. People were in cars. So, actually, most of the animals and people were safely out of the elements. Yes. And I, I went car to car with the holy water. Yes, it, it, uh, uh, we socially we, distanced. We behaved and responsibly and masked, and uh, uh, um, uh, technology, as always, was fun uh, to 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 try to bring bring that to life. And uh, so we learned a few things, and uh, and uh, um, looks like we're gonna try that again. Uh, yeah, next week. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hope on um, October 11th that we'll be able to offer the Eucharist. Yeah. That will be exciting. That'll be yeah. really, really good. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, let's move over to our word of the day. And Bruce, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, uh, it should. Uh, I, I looked for a J word, and t- and and uh, um, thought about for a moment whether or not to give you the tr- the the phrase Jesus Christ and see what what your <laughs> how long I could go was, with that <laughs> right. Uh, because the definition on uh, EpiscopalChurch.org is lengthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, one would hope. <laughs> and and uh, essentially, the definition is as defined by like six subsets of of individuals. Uh, uh, the, you know, as as defined by the the, the Nicene yeah. Creed, as defined by early, the early church, as defined by the you know, and 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 so. Uh, uh, I thought it would People be, can play long at home and look that up. Exactly. I thought that would be fun uh, just to see what what uh, descriptors you came up with. But at the end of the day, I feel like most everybody has uh, at least their own definition <laughs> of Jesus Christ. So we can maybe skip that. Uh, so I had to skip J and move into K. And your actual word of the day is contachion. I need. I tried to find a pronunciation. And I was having trouble, uh, but K O N T A K I O N, contachion is as the best I could do. <laughs> oh, that tip of my tongue or brain, and I'm just going to say I'm drawing a blank. 
It is a in Orthodox worship, a short hymn in honor of a saint or the departed. I would not have come close. <laughs> <laughs> so a, kata- uh, a kontakion, give rest, is, is, is in quotations, it, give rest, O Christ, to your servant, and is used in the burial office of the BCP uh, mm-hmm. as an anthem at the commendation, is repeated as an antiphon, uh, right. so double check the dictionary for that word if, if that doesn't sound familiar. It, yeah, it's like a refrain. Correct, yeah. At the beginning and the end. Uh, so it's repeated as an antiphon at the commendation, and the hymnal 1982, which we use, provides a musical setting of this uh, Kentakion as hymn 355. So um, we'll have to see if we ever uh, come back to that. Um, but uh, um, Well, actually, part of the um, first reading we have this morning is occasionally used in that way. There you go. There you go. So, so yes, it was very <clears throat> relevant. A short hymn in honor of a saint or the departed. Um, mm-hmm. So we actually, it's a word that, uh, you know, we kind of actually use more, um, you know. More, we more use than, in form rather than in speech. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> more often than uh, one would think or realize because of, uh, uh, we just don't use that word. Uh, but, yeah. But uh, we do that with uh, uh, some fair frequency. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll use it with our music director next time we have a funeral and see what she, how she looks at me. There you go. Uh, yeah, uh, um, we'll be, uh, can we uh, can we work the Kentucky on into this week's service? Uh, that would be great. You know what? She might she might uh, actually just be like, oh, okay, yeah, uh, I'll have to figure out uh, find which him him that one is. But uh, yeah, that's I remember true. that one. She, she'd she'd roll with it. <laughs> she probably would. Uh, so speaking of rolling with it, let's roll over to our first reading, uh, which Indeedy. is Isaiah 25, 1 through 9. And that reads, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The place of aliens, or sorry, the palace of aliens is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. When the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm, the noise of aliens like heat in a dry place, You subdued the heat with the shade of clouds. The song of the ruthless was stilled. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the, the sheet that is spread over all nations, he will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation." Um, poetic feel to it. Very much poetic, right? Uh, um, 
with still a, a hint of prophecy. Oh uh, yeah, uh, which is which is kind of an, an intriguing mixture here. Um, what is going on in, <laughs> in this? Uh, uh, because it, it it's it's uh, it's critical at the beginning. It's uplifting by the end, or promising by the end. Like it, it like it. What is what's the correlation? What's what is uh, this first uh, um, author of Isaiah talking about? Well, it's a piece of Isaiah that is technically in the first of three sections of Isaiah, but a lot of scholars think it belongs in the second, maybe even the third, probably the second, um, as in it was written in the 500s, um, the rest of Isaiah, first Isaiah is considered a little older, and it's part of a gathering of, a, I think it's around four chapters of prophecies and poems that scholars aren't quite sure where they come from, hmm. that they predate Isaiah, they, they may, so they may be very ancient, um, but it's also one of the prophecies that are all about um, justice at the end of time and, uh -huh. pe and the um, beginnings of the theology of eternal life. Okay, okay. So this is more uh, uh, afterlife. Uh, uh, well, no, that's not true. Uh, so this this is this is a kind of an end of times uh, prophecy. Um, ultimately, the uh, the the city, and I'm assuming uh, uh, when they're talking of uh, the city that was made a heap, the fortified city, a ruin, the palace of aliens is the city no more. Uh, it will never be rebuilt. This is th this would have uh, gotten the imagery of, uh, of 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 what like the the the, the temple the, the uh... well again no we one knows know. <laughs> okay I wasn't um, I wasn't entirely yeah. sure of, oh yeah that's the you know well very and clearly... I I don't blame anyone for thinking that because the first part of Isaiah is thoroughly rooted in historic events for the most part. Right, and it's easy to say, okay, talking about Jerusalem, talking about Babylon, talking right. about Egypt. Um, whereas the this grouping of chapters um, sort of float without a historic anchor, and mm. so they're they're not to sound disrespectful because I don't mean to be at all. They're beautiful passages, but they're kind of generic. And gotcha. I think that's part of their genius and usefulness, and. That's why we can still use them as part of funerals today, is that they aren't so historically specific that it takes a lot of um, manipulating or interpretation for them to make sense. Instead, it's a passage that you really can kind of look, just read through and go, oh, good, God's going to fix this. Yeah, uh, and, and I think the other thing that we didn't, we didn't expressly uh, uh, say, although uh, a, a reading of it is made plain this is this is also kind of a prayer uh a prayer of uh thanks of glory to god uh, and yeah. this, is, this is directed to uh um uh, to uh our creator uh right and and uh uh praising uh uh praising him uh for everything he has done for us uh the uh um 
But I'm, I'm a little curious as to like, you know, uh, the, 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 the implication then is like, oh, wait. So the prayer is saying like, hey, you, you made uh, the city a heap, the city, the fortified city a ruin, like implying that uh, uh, God has, God has uh, caused the turn in this prophecy in the story of some sort uh which is which is strange because it's not like uh there's a a throwaway line because of what we've done because we've strayed straight oh you. okay I see you know what i mean getting. like it's just kind of like oh wait what is that what happened what happened there in verse two <laughs> there's well, a, there's a story there and i'm not getting it one of the things to keep in mind is that at this point in human history there are actually very few cities mm -hmm. um let alone fortified cities, let alone palaces. And so if you, if you were the, the beneficiary of such a place, you were probably treating others poorly. Gotcha. Only, only built on the backs of others could you yeah. have accomplished something like this. Yeah. And, okay. and the focus of this, of so much of this, is on the downtrodden, downtrodden people. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, I noticed that. And so this is part of the, the God's justice unfolding. Okay. Um, so that so he, even oh, though this you know this particular lineage of of people looked really really strong to human beings, God ultimately you know, God's justice ultimately prevailed, and gotcha. they couldn't take it with them to the grave. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. It. It. Okay. So there's there's a there's an aspect uh, of this that is is also talking about your as you as you pointed out this is there's there's justice in those actions uh, at least implied uh, to the, the the original readers of of Isaiah to, to us as well but I mean obviously when things are written uh, there's there's a specific target uh, usually in mind and that's not us 2000 years after Christ <laughs> necessarily. Right. Uh, so, uh, so the, 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 his actions would have been justified and breaking down, uh, God's actions, uh, break down, um, these man-made, uh, uh, caste differences between, uh, groups of people. Well, not just caste differences, though that's part of it, but more, People who who treat other people really, really poorly, yeah, realize okay. the errors of their ways, and perhaps just as importantly, the human race realizes that's not the way we're supposed to live. Right, right. Um, I mean, because what I'm looking at, for instance, is um, the language of the second part of verse four, when the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm. Mm. Um, that you know when when you were hitting getting hit by flash floods of ruthlessness god noticed right and and you know th and this is running counter to the theology that was very prevalent in the 6th century before christ and unfortunately still survives today among some people that if you're wealthy if you're powerful that's what god wanted Right, yeah, uh, a sign that you were favored. Yeah, uh, and so this is one of those passages that says, no, 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 no. See, the prosperity gospel's been around for forever. <laughs> yeah, it really has, yeah. I mean, it's, because it's a wonderful tool, whether you're an Egyptian pharaoh or a 
gospel preacher driving a Mercedes-Benz, it's a wonderful tool to justify the riches and power that you have. Mm -hmm. You know, God, God wouldn't let, have let this happen. And therefore, I am entitled to do these dastardly things. Right. In fact, yeah, God not, wants me to. Right. I'm not, I'm not selfish or, or, yeah. or, <laughs> or anything. This is just what God has given me. And a sign that I'm doing things right. So, yeah, yeah, a self a self fulfilling prophecy of the uh, right uh, uh, the the theology of the people on top, right? Um, any anything else about this passage though? Um, because I'm there's I, I do have questions as to I guess I do have this one question about uh, the 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 line about well aged wines strained clear. I'm trying to. So all so basically all the impurities of the wine completely strained to the point where it's clear. I'm a little confused as to what that. I get the first part of it: rich, rich food filled with marrow. It, it means you know, uh, 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 feast like a, a, a giant banquet. Uh, um, some of the best food that you can imagine. And right. Well aged wines. You know that part sounds. You know, I, I get that part, but I'm not. I'm not sure what the strained clear part might mean. Only rich people had strained clear wine, and, and it, was, it, it doesn't refer to the color. It oh, refers okay. to the impurities. What gotcha. we would call impurities. So all like the, all the the, the tannins, the or yeah. the, the skins have been. The skin, yeah, yeah, the skins and the stems and a bit of leaf here and there. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I was um, very focused on the color. <laughs> In my, yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and for you know, anyone except the wealthy, they they were able to buy, afford to buy um, unstrained wine, and that's why it was watered down usually, because it was mm -hmm. so it would continue to ferment, um, and you stretched, you both stretched how long it would last by watering it, and you made it um, taste better by putting water in it. Yeah. It, and so that's one reason at the Holy Eucharist, we add a symbolic amount of water to the chalice that has wine in it, because that's how Jesus drank his wine. Got it. Got it, got it. Um, anything else about this uh, prophecy, poem, prayer from uh, just, Isaiah? Just one little trivia thing that doesn't matter all that much. But in... Um, hey, I live off those. Let's go. Yeah, me too. In verse 7, where it says, God will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. Uh -huh. He will swallow up death forever. What, understandably, and this is one of the, the great um, funeral sentences that we referred to earlier in the word of the day um, that is often sung. Um, we often think this refers, to the entire verse refers to death. But actually, at the time that Isaiah was writing, the shroud and the sheet would have been the clothing that mourners wore. Oh. So it's actually expanded beyond the people who have died to those who are still alive and are filled with grief. And I think that makes it even more beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, that's a interesting thing to point out because, yeah, that, that totally changes what I was... Uh, 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 what was in my head for that that uh, verse? Yeah. Um, 
or just oh yeah piercing the veil of shroud the kind of a cloud being lifted got it got it got it <laughs> and and uh yeah how very poetic uh then. because then that makes sense of verse eight and then the lord god will wipe away the tears from all right. faces right very and interesting. The cup, the coupling of the verses in the Hebrew poetry is grief and death, both being um, conquered by God. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That uh, all the more reason why uh, uh, this this might be read uh, at a uh, funeral celebration service. Uh, That's uh, right. Um, totally makes sense. Um, very good. Well, let's move on yeah. to Philippians. Um, chapter 4, verse 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge uh, Udia and I urge Sintik. Wow, come on, Ben. Say it boldly. Sintik. Sure. Uh, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. Um, first of all, the, the, the middle part of that uh, sounds very much, it, we hear that uh, uh, as part of our church service uh, fairly regularly. It's a yeah, prayer uh, that you say, correct, during the right. service? Yeah, um, it's the traditional beginning of the blessing at the end of the service. Right. And and this is the uh, concluding, the beginning of the conclusion to the to this Pauline letter. Okay, so it it, it fits. Yeah. Uh, the so the interesting thing about the people, uh, the poor people whose names I butchered, uh, <laughs> uh, as, as you um, read there in verse three, uh, they're. Women, yes. They, yes. These are. Uh, uh, do we know much about uh, Clement, Yudia, uh, and Sintek um, from a historical perspective? Is, is this their? This is their only reference in the right in the Bible, correct? Correct. Um, they're identified here as co-workers. Yep. Uh, and um, is which one is the loyal uh, companion? Uh, no, I guess I guess my loyal companion is someone else. Who who's right? The no help one knows. Me unpack this. <laughs> I will. Uh, first, the easy, uh, the quick one is my loyal companion. Um, that could be companion. The Greek word could be a proper name, uh -huh. or it could be the name, or it could be the noun companion. Gotcha. So we aren't sure whether Paul was talking to someone in particular within the congregation 
mm-hmm. you know, saying, okay, Ben, t- make sure these two women have what they need to do ministry. Or if he was using a general, a more ge- general term, so perhaps more, because Paul is not dumb, so that more people say, oh, I'm his loyal, comp- I'm Paul's loyal companion, so I'll make sure these women have what they need for ministry. Got it. Um, he might have been a little bit manipulative in that, but we just, we don't know is the, which, which word he was trying to use here in Greek, Okay. whether the, the name or the noun or just the noun. But the bigger point is that understandably, Paul often gets a bad rap for his treatment of women because of those silly things about keeping heads covered and that sort of thing. Right. But, but he actually mentions in all sorts of places, um, particularly in the letters that we know are from him, the names of women or the description of women who are in leadership and are very, very helpful, he feels, to the spread of the gospel. Hmm. And particularly his version of, the, of what he thinks should be proclaimed. Um, I haven't seen an actual word count, but I think he mentions women at least as much as men, maybe more. I mean, more women by name. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, the early Christians chose not to do any kind, well, I shouldn't say that. We don't have accessible to us today who these, who these women were. Uh, I was going to say the church didn't preserve it, but maybe the early church did and then got tossed when the uh, men got in charge. But it would be wonderful to learn who these women were and what their ministries looked like and what their gifts were and all, but we don't know. We just know that they were important enough for Paul to u- use ink on their names. And um, clearly they were in leadership strongly enough that he could simply say their names and we go, oh yeah, yeah. You know, he didn't have to explain who they were or why they were important or any of that. Hmm. Um, anything about um, anything about uh, them in particular uh, that has survived history? Clement, Eudia, uh, Syntec, like, uh, oh yeah, there's this story about this person he, she was involved with. Not that I know of. Okay. But I have to admit, I haven't researched these particularly particular two women. So it's possible okay. it's there, and I just haven't read it. I gotcha. Um, the, um... Though I, I will say this. What struck me is, in part because of um, your understandable hesitation about how to pronounce them, unlike other people, uh, unlike men mentioned in the Bible... We don't have any little girls running around with these names today in the United States. That is true. I, uh, if if Clement is a a, a a woman, we have an iteration of her name. Yeah. Uh, in Clementine, but there's not. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> there's, yeah. Whereas there um, are lots of Pauls and Peters and Johns and right um, Timothys and yeah. Yeah, they definitely got the. Uh, um, <clears throat> the attention, I suppose, as it were, uh, coming out of the Bible for, for naming purposes. Yeah, when the English uh, language developed, which was yep. relatively recently. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, I forget, is this the very end of Philippians? No, the um, there are 
let's see how many more verses it goes to verse 23 okay and for for giggles i recommend reading it because <laughs> it's a very um nuts and bolts thing of thank you for sending this and i know what it's like not to have this other it it's a, a very um practical little section that i don't think we ever read on a sunday i know we've I know in the lectionary we will read it on a weekday, um, but it, I've actually heard congregations giggle on a weekday when it's read out loud. Interesting, yeah. Um, uh, that is <laughs> that uh, that is that is how a letter probably would actually end, uh, as you think about it. Uh, um, you, you you kind of uh, tie it up with some pleasantries at the end. Uh, um, uh, that is that is too bad that we don't uh, get into it because I mean don't get me wrong uh, ending it here uh, ending the book here uh, um, makes sense in that it ties it up in a nice tidy bow and ends well, it's, on a, it's ends the, on really a point. the last theological piece right. of it exactly so it ends on something that makes a lot of sense uh, um, uh, although uh, uh, Paul needs to learn how to do lists a little better here, but, uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what can he do. Um. Uh. Yeah. And anything else then about uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians here? Not at this point. It's it's only four chapters long. Again, can be you know read during one cup of tea. So go for it. There you go. Uh. Well, then let's move on to our gospel reading, which is Matthew chapter twenty-two, verse one through fourteen. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, "The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king." who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat, fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready, come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroying those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his, his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who invited were not worthy. Therefore, uh, Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Um, I think that even... To this day, this is one of the parables where the, at least for us, the left turn uh, yeah. uh, still hits home, because uh, his reaction to uh, those who uh, brushed off the the wedding banquet and uh, uh, seized uh, his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them, uh, you know, was. I shouldn't say an extreme reaction. It was. It was definitely a, 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 a anger. Was a, definitely a, a justifiable uh, 
uh, feeling to such such occurrence and a very violent outcome. Uh, but all of that kind of tracks and makes sense. And then he invites everybody in, uh, uh, people who normally wouldn't be invited to the wedding banquet come in. Um, there's one person there in, internally in our mind. Uh, we probably interpret this person as poor and not having a wedding robe. That's what, kind of what we're expecting uh, the answer to be, or at least I was, uh, as, as you, as I read it, uh, like, Oh, I'm, I'm poor. I don't, I don't have a wedding robe. Uh, and he gets bound and thrown out, um, which I guess with the, you know, with the violent reaction, uh, uh, justifiable or not, uh, destroying the murderers and burning their city that kind of tracks, uh, this guy, this guy might, might be angry, uh, might still be angry. Um, but it, it is not what we anticipate, you know no. what I mean? So, <clears throat> um, as you've pointed out before, uh, parables often contain something that is completely nonsensical that, 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 uh, uh, push us to question what's going on here in the story. Right. Um, wh- is that the point in, in this story? Uh, uh, um, that for the original readers, that, that, you know, that that is the left turn for them as well? Yeah, yeah, okay. it is. And it's interesting because this story occurs, this parable occurs in Matthew and Luke and the Gospel of Thomas. Okay. Which is a non-canonical um, gospel. It's a, a, a collection of Jesus' sayings. So it's okay. sometimes called the sayings gospel, um, attributed to Thomas the apostle, but it has no action in it. There, Jesus just keep talks and talks and talks and talks. And, okay. But there's no setting or anything, and that's one of the major reasons we think it was not, did not make it into the Bible. But people certainly, it was certainly in circulation, and the version in the Gospel of Thomas and the version in the Gospel of Luke are almost identical. Uh-huh. And then we get to Matthew, and it has this left turn in it, and um, uh, has the killing of the slaves that the others don't. Um, but so, so Matthew's version stands alone. Okay. And so some have said that means some scholars particularly have said that that could mean it's the most authentic. And Luke and Thomas took out this part that they found people going, what? Or it could mean that, Matthew or Matthew's community or someone be- between Jesus and Matthew, so to speak, chronologically added these features in. Hmm. Everyone gets to decide for themselves. So if this disturbs you too much, you can just say, nah, I like Luke and Thomas's better. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, but what the left turn is, is what it means to be a latecomer to the banquet, a latecomer to the kingdom of God, but not changing your life in the least. Got it. Okay. So one of the one of the things is say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm still going to be racist because uh, that's my right. <laughs> um, that'd be someone not wearing their wedding garment. Because right. they're acting like life hasn't changed, and they're ignoring all the instances of joy and resurrection in life. Uh, hmm. 
and all, all the ways God's calling them to love others. So it, it has to do with free will continuing to operate in our lives even after we have um, turned our lives over to God, we think. We still, on a daily basis, have to renew that commitment. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And a lot of that, and that seemed to be one of the big concerns Matthew had throughout his gospel, is people saying yes um, to God and then not doing anything about it. We, you know, we had a parable about that a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yeah. No. That, that you're you're definitely right on that. That he does kind of uh, hit that that point uh, fairly regularly in his stories of of uh, of people people participating, going through motions, but having no no change or or pretending that they're uh, um, uh, a part of this or righteous in in certain ways, but not changing fundamentals uh, 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 at all. Um, and the good news in that is humans have always reacted to Christianity and to Christ in the same way. Mm-hmm. So on the, on the days where we are selfish rather than generous, we can say, well, you know, even the, even the earliest followers of Christ had bad days. And so Matthew kept reminding them to recommit. Right. And so I shouldn't feel guilty, inadequate, um, forgotten by God, but instead just get on my wedding garment and start a new day. Right, yeah. Um, uh, so so do you think, uh, uh, in a way, part of the story would have changed had the individual not been speechless? As far as, like, how did you get in here without a wedding room? Oh, I'm so, you know, like, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't provide an excuse for himself. He just, uh... He, he doesn't ask for forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. It just, uh... <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Bind him. Yeah, get he, rid of him. <laughs> no excuse for this one. Yeah, I mean, because not speaking is... I mean, I, admittedly, I, I don't blame someone for not speaking if they're filled with fear. But there's also the not speaking because you're doing a power play. And it's like, I ain't oh. saying anything. You got to decide. Gotcha. And yeah. part of being a Christian is growing up and knowing, no, we got to make the decision. We have to be willing to speak. Hmm. Yeah. Eh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether, whether it's words of confession or words of proclamation, praise, prayer, whatever. We don't get to just sit silently hmm. unless we're listening to God. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it, it definitely, as you're listening to this parable unfold, you know, as many times our, our brains do, you kind of start attributing uh, um, aspects of this to, you know, to certain aspects of, of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there going, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, these are the people who heard the word of God and kind of ignored it. The slaves might represent the prophets, uh, uh, and and maybe right. all of that is right. maybe all of that still is true. Um, uh, yeah, you get all the way down to that turn. Uh, you know, uh, you know, the kingdom of God is like the wedding banquet where uh, God invited all all those all of us who are you know, uh, in this religious community more 
middle of the road uh, or, or lower class. We're not the we're not the upper echelon priests of the temple. We're mm-hmm. the we're the day to day people in the streets. Uh, uh, and then yeah, so so uh, the the parable gets to that point where you're kind of like, wait, am I? Am I am I the person without a wedding robe? Yeah. Uh, is that am I? Are that is, is that the Pharisees? <laughs> it's not yeah. me, of course. It's not who who is this? That's not me. Obviously, I'm the I'm the guy with the wedding robe right next to this guy. Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, and and because because of that open endedness to it of who is this guy, that's one of the reasons scholars think it's very Jesus like. Yeah, it. I, I'm. I'm almost kind of. I kind of want to ask more questions about the Thomas and Luke version then, because this does feel like a traditional parable. And if you take out those aspects, that doesn't really seem like a normal parable that Jesus has a tendency to 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 make. The, the story. How does the story end? Like, what's the yeah, how does the story end in, in, in Luke and Thomas to the point where it, you're like, oh, it okay. ends, it ends with the, um, go outside to the streets and bring back those who you happen to meet. Um, and Thomas ends it with businessmen and merchants will not enter the places of my father. And, um, Luke ends with, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Huh. So it's much more of a the parables tr- turn into much more of an analogy. Than yeah, a I was gonna. Parable. I was gonna say, yeah, that, that's because it it the story resolves in a way that you would anticipate. Yeah, like you know, if I were throwing a party and the people didn't show up, and I sent out uh, uh, invitations to here to the neighborhood and let anybody who wanted to come come. That story makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and yeah, if and, they don't come, they don't get to taste the banquet. Right, exactly. And uh, uh, parables generally don't end in a way where you expect them to. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of, you know, their whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, interesting uh, comparison. Then uh, I can understand why uh, that would that means uh, some people believe that. Matthews is probably the most accurate because yeah the the others as you pointed out would not really be parables so much as analogies and Jesus didn't seem to I mean he he dabbled in analogies here and there but <laughs> but yeah he really he's, he's really more of a parable guy <laughs> yeah because the parable takes takes the person further right an analogy is a good way to teach a a, a certain concept but mm-hmm. a parable actually can change a person's being. Right, and it it challenges that person to think differently. Yeah, uh, and so so good good on you, Matthew. I, I I'm I'm with the the scholars. Uh, some of the yeah, scholars. me too. And admittedly, the when I was in seminary, when we were first looking at this one. I was like, my default was always to like Luke better. He has uh, um, great uh, stories like the prodigal son and the good Samaritan. Uh-huh. But the I have to admit, you know, one of the reasons you get an education is opening my eyes to the depth of Matthew and um, how parables really were not dumbed down at all in the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, I like uh, I, I like that. It did it does it does make it. Uh, I understand that the you know the the uh, other way makes things a little bit more accessible, but it also you mm-hmm. know, in a way, kind of lets us off the hook. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, that's that's also not not something that uh, the parable is supposed to do. Well, and and to give Matthew and Luke their due, Luke in many ways was was writing for a mass audience he did not know probably that yeah, yeah. and that's one reason why his stories um which were Jesus's stories have become so beloved is that they really are meant for i mean the the parable of um the lost son um you know, is really the plot of so many movies to this day of yeah. the person of the community or family wandering off and then being reunited and tears flow. So it really is a universal theme, perhaps, or may, yeah, chicken and egg. I don't know which it is, but certainly today, it's a universal theme. And in Matthew, his concern over and over is, look, you know, Christ wasn't resurrected that long ago, and we're already getting so off track right. that his his writings, in some ways, are more for people who are Christian rather than who are considering becoming Christian. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So, so this is, uh, this is, uh, um, rather than the one one class, this is the one. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. So, and, and so, John, so you think you can Christian and then, uh, we, you know, <laughs> and, and John could be the graduate level course. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And unfortunately, people often tell folks to, you know, often people start themselves off on Matthew because that's just how they're published, is Matthew's the first gospel. And they'd probably do better if they started with either Mark or Luke. That would be, that would be an interesting restructuring. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so, so you heard this story uh, this way. Let's do it in a different way. Yeah. Slightly more complex than the first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same song, second verse. <laughs> Slightly well, I, more complex than the first. Yeah. Or I was thinking the food analogy of, you know, here's your bland oatmeal. Oh, let's spice it up a bit. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Takes a little getting used to, but it's a lot more enjoyable. Here's, here's a little here's a little brown sugar. Now let's yeah. throw something spicy in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're Scottish, you you eat your oatmeal with salt and pepper. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I'm not Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of my friends is, and um, he's teased that he, he eats veg, he eats um, vegetarian haggis. <laughs> <laughs> That's an Im- there. There's imagery for you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we won't go any further in case someone hasn't had breakfast no, yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, well, with that, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with vegetarian haggis, we will. Uh, um, we will. We will end this, your podcast, for October 11th. Uh, and uh, again, uh, as I've said in the past, uh, uh, please check out our website, hfec.org, uh, for everything going on in the church. Uh, 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 parking lot church, again, uh, this Sunday. Fingers crossed we won't have uh, uh, overca- overcast clouds and uh, uh, pouring rain. Uh, so that uh, the AM channels will be clear and we can also be outside and have the speaker system and everything up and running. Uh, but uh, if it meeting in person is 
uh, not your thing yet. Uh, uh, I uh, yet uh, or uh, period. If your thing, if, if meeting in person is not your thing, or if uh, you're still not comfortable or are unable to to uh, meet in person, that's completely okay. We're still doing the church service uh, on our YouTube channel, and that is the same uh, uh, style and product that we've been uh, creating these past uh, few months. Uh, and, uh, so we are going to still continue to do that until we are able to meet in person in, ch in the actual church space, I think. Yes. Uh, and, uh, we're continuing to offer the watch party for that Sundays at nine. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so you can worship at 8am in person, 9am online or 10am in person this coming week. Do download from the website the bulletin if you're coming in person because as part of our safety protocols we're not handing out any written material so no bulletin right 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 uh do you want to give a quick uh brief preview then as to in in, in conjunction with not being able to hand out materials how are you doing eucharist uh, just so just oh, in case yeah. anybody has questions as to wait oh, for uh, that part i don't know <laughs> um right well first of all no one has to receive the eucharist uh, we'll ask people to stay in or immediately buy their cars. We'll come to each car and uh, share the consecrated bread, which will have to be a wafer rather than the home-baked bread that Holy Family traditionally has used. And we will not have any wine. Gotcha. Uh, and so it's, we're, um, and I'll be sanitizing my hands and wearing a glove and keeping everything as sanitary as we possibly can. But right. you can, yeah, uh, go to the parish website um, the day before, and you can download the bulletin, and you can see any updates, uh, because we are still following the data. So if there's some huge outbreak in the coming days, we will, we will simply cancel the service and go back to totally being online. But right. hopefully that won't happen this week. Fingers crossed. Hopefully yeah. that doesn't happen at all. Uh, we've right, had right. relatively good trending uh, uh, in Hamilton County, which is where the church uh, building is located. Yeah, uh, and that's the uh, metrics that we use. We've had a slight uptick that we're monitoring uh, closely, but uh, 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 thus far it's still within accept quote unquote acceptable ranges. Mm -hmm. uh, and and not only do we want to see uh, obviously that uh, trend continue of decreasing uh, because we want to eventually be able to meet in person uh, but you know also the real world implications on those directly affected by those numbers uh, right uh, we, we certainly don't uh, want to continue to see any of those numbers go up so right um, uh, in relation to that though uh, obviously our, our uh, main concern uh, is uh, the the uh, safety and health of, of, of our parishioners and we're going to continue and the community community beyond them right uh and uh so we're going to continue to keep that in mind as we we move forward but we do love seeing you yes uh, that was great so, on sunday absolutely it was so uh so either way we will continue to worship together whether uh physically together or uh with some uh f some distance separation over the internet uh but uh, uh with all of that we we do look forward to uh spending some time with you uh in whatever way that we can so uh until next week or until in person i'm ben and i'm bruce and we'll talk to you next time bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.